Last thing, and I got a few, I just have a short message today. I won't go long today, but I do want to speak on a couple of things, encourage you today. I was talking to um, Carson yesterday and, um, and Gracie, they were, she was asking some questions about forgiveness and do you have to heal before you forgive what comes first? Very, I just love talking to these young people. They just, they're just so hungry. They want to know God, and that's a, that's a joy to me. And uh, we were talking, I was talking about, you know, about ministry and what's the most important thing about ministry. And as a young man, um, and I had a lot of ministry friends over the years and been preached to large crowds over the years, and um, a lot of pastor and preacher friends that have been and are successful as it pertains to the appearance of success in ministry, which from the surface means parking lot full, seats full, great talent around you, great presentation of the gospel, and these, you know, the Western cultural ideal of successful church, which is, which is awesome. And... Um, and I was thinking just, you know, for a moment, and I was thinking, and, uh, and I used to really kind of believe that and, and think that, and I'm not saying that I still don't believe that, but that is not the definition of success in ministry. The definition of success in ministry, it has taken me 37 years and six children and seven grandchildren to be able to define it for you. Every one of my children love God and they've watched a clay pot deliver a perfect word and they still love God. Joshua is in Florida. He's not here. Jessica's on her little mini honeymoon. She's not here this morning. So glad Jameson and the grandbabies are here. They live a little far away, but they, I just, maybe they'll get closer to us real soon. Uh, but when I look at that, when I stand before God, listen now, this needs to bring you comfort to press in and continue to fight for your children. Because we think in Western culture and church culture that this guy up here who has this microphone right here has some special um, reward coming from God because of this and this. Mm -mm. When you stand before God and I stand before God, when God says to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant, that's not coming because of this. It's coming because I taught my children 
and I raised my children, and I prayed for my children, and I loved my children. I never gave up on my children. Even when they ran away, I never gave up. Even when they wandered, I never gave up. Even when you thought, oh, dear Lord Jesus, you don't give up. You persevere. You press in. You keep praying. You don't stop. And maybe it doesn't look like they're where they need to be with God. Maybe you don't, maybe you're worried about your children. Maybe, maybe there's this, what are they doing? I'm telling you, if you don't stop believing God for them, God will put enough heat upon them that will continue to keep them in the margins and keep pushing them to the kingdom. Whether they even realize it or not, whether they want to or not, whether they like it or not, they're chosen, you're chosen, and when you stand before God, he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful service. Not because you didn't sin yesterday. Not because you didn't overcome something last week. Not because you lived perfect like a monk and you, you lived a total, strict, sanctified, steadfast life. I mean, if that's the criteria, I won't hear a thing. Trust me. But when I stand before him and he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, he has allowed me as a dad and you as fathers out there, you as mothers, he's allowed you and you as grandmothers and and grandfathers, he's allowed us to participate in his eternal plan to populate his kingdom. Populating his kingdom didn't start with the ideal of evangelism. Started with the ideal of mommy and daddy. Who'd Adam and Eve preach to? The plan of God for his human children and our blessing to be a part of adding to the kingdom doesn't come with some great evangelist preaching to thousands of people. That may be a portion of it, but it's more personal than that. Mom and dad, you're an evangelist for God. Not because you get the mic in a big crowd, but because he gave you the awesome opportunity to procreate eternal life and populate his eternal kingdom That's why he says the children are the heritage of the Lord. You're giving him kids. And when you keep pushing them towards God and prodding them and pushing them and dragging them and kicking them, pulling them to church when they don't want to come to church, fighting on the way to church because no one wants to go to church and everybody's tired and nobody wants to get up. It's worth it. Why? God's watching. Those are my children making my children citizens of the kingdom. When their flesh wants to rebel, when their mind wants to rebel, you stay steadfast. My 
kids don't serve God because I'm a great Christian role model. Are you kidding me? They serve God because they see daddy loves God. Can I get a witness up in here? Be of good courage today. This ideal of the kingdom and the church isn't all what Western culture told us it was. It's more personal than that. God loves us. And mom and dad, ministers of the gospel, he loves what you're doing for the kingdom. But mom and dad, I'm telling you, when you get there, it's all going to be worth it. Because you're going to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Because, that, because you love me and let an example for your children. Your children love me who are my children now that love me. Well done. It's good. We sit in, 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 in inferior, with inferiority complexes because we think that this the clergy and the laity, I'll never hear God say anything because look what he, God has chosen him. God has chosen all of us. I get nothing more than you get. And the only thing, the reward that I'm expecting to receive is the reward of well done, good and faithful servant, because you showed your children me. God chose Abraham for one reason. He knew that he would pass the covenant to his posterity. That's why you always hear the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of James, the God of Jameson, the God of Carson, the God of Joshua, the God of Jordan, the God of... Right? Jameson Jr. and Johanna. Jessica, what did he say? I've chosen you, Abraham, and I've to you and your children and your seed. Marty was talking about that song to a thousand generations. He loves that song. Uh, Carrie, what is her name? Joby, yeah. That's the secret sauce. That's why the enemy hates family. He hates the institution of marriage. He hates the institution of, of church. Why? Because he's the God of James, Jameson, Joshua, Jessica, Abigail, Victoria, Carson. Dad, mom, take that, grandma, take that with you today. 
God has chosen you because he's the God of you, Daddy, and then you name your children and your children's children. And when they're left and you're gone, you're going to hear, well done and good and faithful servant, and they're going to wash, rinse, and repeat. If the Lord tarries. And that's how he builds his eternal kingdom. Are you glad about that today? Come on, put your hands together one more time. Mm. You should feel like you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Yeah. Uh, one real quick, open your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to, I want to speak on peace today. Turn to your neighbor and say, peace. I know it's war, but I want to talk about peace. <clears throat> we expounded last week a little bit prophetically what's going on in the Middle East. It'll be what it'll be. I kind of brought you through a little bit of um, uh, Psalm 83, the possibilities, Isaiah 17, the possibilities, whatever. Um, <clears throat> God is going to refine this planet, and God is going to judge corruption and sin and wickedness. That's just what he do. So, thinking not a strange thing. Amen? Uh, John chapter 14. Let's go there. What I do with my keys or my... My glasses again. Oh, my glasses. Glasses. It's always glasses. It's always glasses. Marty, you ever have this problem with glasses? My wife has the problem with her phone. Where's my phone? Call my phone. Where's my (laughs) phone? Marty's got my glasses. He's got me right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't find my glasses. Wife can't find her phone. We always seem to know where our keys are at, though. All right, John chapter 14. Let's look at this. This is great. Chapter 14 and verse 1. Let's go there together this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, why is he saying that? Because there's trouble all around. There's turbulence all around. There's issues all around. Jesus said in Matthew 24, in last days, count on it. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famine. He, he just said it's earthquakes in divers places. He said, these are all the beginnings of the birth pains, but the end is not yet. When you see all these things coming, look up. In John chapter 14, he says, in the midst of it, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because the trouble isn't about you. You're good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with God. I'm good with God. I have no reason to be troubled. If you reject God, turn from God, yeah, you, you might be in a little trepidation right now. But if you love God and if you're on the Lord's side, don't let your heart be troubled. The things that are going to befall the earth, the years to come, who knows the time or the date or the, the hour, nobody knows. My father-in-law thought it was 1948, signaled, hey, Jesus will be back real soon. Y2K, we thought, oh, this must be the end. <laughs> and uh, here we are in 2023. But the signs are evident. Just don't ignore them. Be on the guard. 
but don't let your heart be troubled. Why is that? Believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. I go prepare a place for you. Look, he's preparing a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And whither I go, you, you know, and the way you know. Jesus said, be at peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. He's got this. He knows exactly what he's doing. When we look at the things that are happening and even on a global stage, but sometimes just in your own personal family, there's, there's turbulence. It feels troublesome. The Bible says in Isaiah, perfect peace shall you have whose mind is stayed on me. Perfect peace. Jesus said, and John 14, 17, let's look at that. Flip a page. I'll read it to you. He says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees me not, neither knoweth him, because it knoweth, because he knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. We have a comfort. He is our peacemaker. He says, my peace I leave with you. I must have had the wrong verse there right now. But anyway, he says in the book of John, he says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives it, but as I give it my peace. There's a difference in the peace that comes in a person that knows God and a person that doesn't know God, there is a different, there is a worldly peace. Peace means harmony. If you want peace in your home, what's it mean to you? My home has harmony. We're in a sweet spot. Peace also means order. My home has order. I have peace in my home because we're operating in harmony. Kids are getting along. Mom and dad's getting along. Everybody's getting along. Job's good. House is in order. We have harmony. Peace also means justice. Justice, when justice prevails, it produces peace. And peace can also come worldly just through conflict management. You want, I, I, conflict management is important because sometimes we want to live in peace and we think the ability for us to live in peace is to be able to avoid the most amount of conflicts. <laughs> Somebody say, yeah, yeah. And then there's some people just like, well, I see a conflict. I want to resolve it. I want to get it resolved right now because until I get this resolved, I will not have the peace that I need to operate. Ignoring conflict in your home, your family, with your spouse, your, your children, whatever. Ignoring conflict will not bring peace. It will always be, there will always be an unsettling. So if you're if you got a conflict in your home that you're trying to just avoid and and not talk about and turn away from, um, 
You'll always be unsettled until you confront it, until you go into the conflict and have resolve. Then peace will come. God said, don't let your heart be troubled. I think about that uh, conflict management just a little bit, and, and sometimes the sooner you address it, the more the faster you can be settled in your spirit. There still might be a problem, but you will still have peace. Why? Because the conflict may not have been resolved, but at least the conflict has been addressed, and you're managing the conflict. To act like it's not there, then you, you just prolong the inner trepidation and turmoil. What he's saying in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about. Don't be anxious for it. He said, but in all things with prayer and supplication, seek me. Let's go there and read the whole verse together. Philippians chapter 4. Oh, God is so good. Philippians chapter 4. I'm getting there. General Electric Power of Columbus. Okay. <laughs> how, how do you remember where the books of the Bible are? <laughs> General Electric Power of Columbus. What is that? Galatians, <laughs> Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. <laughs> you just thought I knew it all supernaturally, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I just gave away all my secrets. <laughs> oh, Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at this together. Come on, I just want you to leave this place with peace today. I want you to just have peace in your heart. I know everything's not going to go away. News will be what it is, and your, your problems will, <clears throat> will still be there, but you can have peace. He says in Philippians chapter 4, yeah, yeah, love this, just love this. He says in uh, verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing, be anxious in another translation. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So prayer is important, right? Be anxious for nothing. If you're anxious about something, then he says, come to me in prayer. Keep, keep a thankful heart. Live in a state of gratitude. Gratitude's a biggie. Thankful. A, a heart of gratitude is huge. If, you, if, you're, if you're grateful and the, the, the baseline for gratitude is you always reminding yourself what he did for you on that cross. I am grateful beyond measure. And everything else in my life, as trepidatious as it can be, pales in comparison with the gratitude I have for what he did. Sometimes you just got to bring it right back. It ain't fair. You just said it today. We all know this. We're living it now. Life is not fair. Why did this happen? Why did they do that? I did this and I got that bad result. I was expecting something totally different. You know, Jennifer preached something years ago 
And just the, re- the revelation just, just stuck with me how, how God spoke to her. You know, she, she has uh, always lived and believed, you know, you pray, you give, you, you, you say the right thing, you behave the right thing, you do the right things, then you can expect a right result. Well, in the midst of living that way, and, and I'll break that down here in just a moment, there was a situation, a couple situations in a short period of time that happened in our, in our family personally, and she was injured by it. And she was, God, this isn't fair. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and yet this happened to one of our children. I've done this, and I've done this. How can you? I've done everything. We're obeying you. We're following you. We're preaching the gospel. And yet, this happened. It's not fair. Why did you allow that to happen, God? How do you get glory out of that? And God spoke something to her. It's not about getting glory out of an offense. It's about getting glory from the children that go through it and endure it and glorify my name at the end of it. For all things do work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And then yesterday, that same child that brought that same injury stood up here on this platform and had wedding vows to her husband. How long ago? 15 years. 14 years. Don't give up. Don't stop. We want instant results. We want instant remedy. We want instant reconciliation. We want instant... I pray it happens like that for you. But I'm telling you, for me, it just seems like A decade can pass before I can look back and say, I understand now, God. I hated it when I was going through it. I didn't understand it while I was going through it. But I had peace that surpassed my ability to understand it. And a decade later, I see it. 13 years later, I see it. My grandbabies lost their mama last year. My son lost his wife last year. We don't understand everything. We know she's with the Lord. We know we'll have a great reunion someday with our dear sweet Elizabeth. We know that. But going through it and trying to process it and understand it, it may take some time. It may be five years, ten years for my son, my grandbabies to look back. God, now I understand. And I, But in the midst of it, we have peace. Yeah, we have peace. Why? Because we trust in him. Your kids will have peace if they see you going through a thing and you don't turn your back on God. And you don't blame God for your trouble. Endure a thing. What? Six minutes? I got to wait in this line at Wendy's to get my meal? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Endure a thing. 
I don't understand. I grew up mommy and daddy. I don't understand why he wasn't in my life. I don't understand why they had to pass. I don't understand. Just endure. Trust. Endure. A decade may go by. Two decades may go by. And then God speaks to you. And he will say, do you understand now? God, thank you. I didn't get it then, but I understand it now. Can you endure that furnace of affliction? Can you endure that span of time and disappointment? And still show up and worship him? Still love him? Still not blame him? And still not blame him and make excuses for you not to love him because that happens? Because... You know, you just, you need somebody to blame because you're hurt. I told you as I opened up, this life, believers, Christians, this life is the furnace of affliction. This life is Daniel's lion den. This life is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's furnace. But God has not ill-equipped you. He has given you the, everything that you need. The greatest thing that he has given you is his Holy Spirit living on the inside of you that helps you forgive, that helps you love, that helps you not be offended, that helps you have peace when you don't understand, that helps you overcome the trial and the affliction. Oh, hallelujah. You got this, child of God. Oh, man, I just just feel like my, my heavenly father just... He's just proud of us. He's just looking. He's like, Satan, you consider Job? (laughs) Watch me. Watch me. (laughs) Satan, have you considered my end time church? (laughs) Watch this. You can't touch that. They know who they are. They love me to the death. They love me through the pain. They love me through the trial. They love me through the hurt. They love me through the disappointment. They love me through the loss. You can't touch that. You are chosen people. You are a chosen generation. Don't get hung up on your personal everyday struggles in the battle that you have with your own flesh. See a bigger picture. Walk that out. Stay under construction. Keep your hard hat on, but keep your heart towards God. All that will figure itself out. It's bigger than that. Satan wants to personalize every little minutia of your behavior. This thing ain't about works, man. Jennifer and I found that out. We couldn't give enough. We couldn't stay on time enough. We couldn't preach the right enough messages. We couldn't obey God and leave the states and uproot our family and go here and go there and, and, and get that perfect outcome and that perfect definition of success. And 
And somehow, because we did everything we thought we were supposed to do exactly the way God wanted us to do it, that he was obligated to give us something back in return. Boy, was we wrong. Because that's works. Uh, right? See this? Just broaden this a little bit. Just... We did, we did, we did. Why? You can't throw your good works in God's face and say, you had no right to do that. You can't throw your good works in God's face as a reason to justify your anger and disappointment in him. You can't do enough good works. The works part of it, I think I heard this guy say in the Bible, hanging like this on a tree, it is finished. It's over. It's finished. Jesus completed the works. You can't do enough. You can't be, and I, I understand there's sowing and reaping. Hear the broader text of what I'm trying to say. I know there's cause and, and effect. I, I, I get all that. But hear the mind of God today. This is so much bigger than that. We're his children. We're a chosen generation. We're peculiar people. We're a royal priesthood, and we have truly come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you will endure. Your family will be saved. Your children will serve the Lord. They will rise up and call you blessed. You may not see it for a few more years, or you could see it tomorrow. I don't know. But you're going to love him anyway? What if it took a decade of you having to walk through the trepidation of your children? Ten years and look back and say, oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. Can you look back at ten years of trial and trepidation? And is there a moment in time you'll be able to thank him for it? Oh, yeah. Because he knows something you don't. He's already been where you're going. But here's the good thing. He said, my peace I leave with you. Where's the peace in the trepidation? What is the strength of peace? Don't let your heart be troubled. Why would he say that? Because it's a troubling world you live in. I'm going to give you peace, not as the world gives it, but as I give it, my peace I give to you. Be at peace, my brothers, my sisters. God's got you. This thing could unplug tomorrow. You can still have peace. Everything can turn around tomorrow. Is that what you're waiting for before you have peace? Are you waiting for the world to find their peace before you get yours? 
you're looking for the wrong peace. They may never find peace. People have been killing each other all of history. I'm not waiting for the politicians to find some type of resolve in the conflicts of the world before I get my peace and I'm not going to be anxious no more. I'm not anxious now. I'm not troubled now. I have peace. Why? Because I have the peace of God. That's an eternal peace. That's a peace that supersedes the physical realm, the, the dimension we live in, time and space. It, it's beyond that. I don't need external conflict resolution before I can have internal peace. And you can bring that into your own personal family and we can put it on a global scale. God loves us and he, he offers us that. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You say, well, how do, how do I get it? How do I find it? It's not difficult at all. Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What you thinking about? Where's your mind at? Is your mind living in an unresolved conflict in your personal life? In a, on a global st- scale? Is your mind right there in the personal unresolved conflict of your past? Your present? Your injury, I, I'm living, my mind is always in the conflict of my personal life, my family life, uh, my work life, my political life. It's just, my mind's living in their turmoil. Choose your fights wisely. There's some things you can't do anything about, number one. And 90% of the things that you get anxious about are never going to happen. I could have got anxious 10, 13 years ago about situation and, 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 and played out the scenario in my mind for the rest of the life of one of my children. Because of this, I'm going to play it out what it's going to look like because statistically and, and, and societal and this is what it's going to be. And nope. I'm not going there. This is, this is, this is troubling. But I'm not going to take that conflict and play out the ending based on human statistical results. We serve a mighty God. He's a God of miracles. And he's our father, and he loves you, and he's the God of you, daddy, and he's the God of you, mommy, and he's the God of your children, and you can go down the line and name them, and I don't care if they're serving him or not, and it doesn't matter if they're troubled or not, just call them out. Here's a, here's a really good way to hold your peace and be anxious 
example. You're in the shower. What's that lump? Oh my gosh, that's got to be cancer. Oh my Lord, Granny died of cancer. Oh my gosh, I wonder if it's in my blood. It's probably in my lymph nodes. What's going to happen to me? Anybody going to beat my funeral? Is I going to have enough money? Does my wife know the passwords to my computer? Does she have access to the money? Oh, this is it. What are my children going to do? It's a lump. Is that not how we think? Right? Why? Because that's an expectation of uh, and a result of what you've seen and gone through. Hold on. What the heck is that? I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I think you, Jesus, you're my healer. Whatever it is, it ain't staying. And if it does stay unrelenting, it just expedites my path to glory. Two mental paths. That's it. Right? Simple? Yeah, but, 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 but. You're telling me you don't believe it. That's what you're telling me. I believe it. You can't kill a dead man. I've been crucified with Christ already. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I that live, it's Christ that liveth in me. And now the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Ah, just take a deep breath. Just go. Oh, peace. Oh, yeah. If you're in conflict and you do not have control of your mind, you're going to prolong the trouble. That's why he says, what's that scripture? Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. What did he say? For we, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. In the pulling down of strongholds and vain thinking, Vain imaginations. And he brings into captivity every thought. Grab it. Grab that thought. Oh, my son, my daughter, they're going through this. The world, Iran, Iraq, Israel. Grab it. Grab it. And take it right here. I praise you, Lord. I know ain't nothing going on you don't see. You've got my babies. I trust you. You're going to bring them deliverance. You're going to heal them. You're even going to restore some stuff that the devil says ain't never going to. Oh, I trust you, Lord. Then the next day, it looks worse than before. I trust you, Lord. I don't look at what I can see. I look at what I cannot see. Because the things that I see, they're temporary. And they're subject to change. But I look to you, God, the author and the finisher of my faith. The promises of God are yes and amen. And you're working on my behalf. And you're perfecting that which concerns me. And you've equipped me to endure this thing. And while I endure, my kids are watching. 
while I stand, my kids are watching. My kids are probably thinking, oh, my poor dad. Just one club after another. Mm. Bro, I'm walking through it. Well, how you do that? I got my mind under control. Father, we love you. I love you. We love you. And Father, I just pray today, every person, our personal situations, our family situations, the things that we've suffered and gone through and lost in recent days, Lord God, the things we'll see in the days to come. We want this word to resonate deep in our heart and in our mind. This world is our furnace of affliction. It may get hotter. It may get colder. It may get easier. It may get harder, God. Uh, But anyway, I have peace and I refuse to be anxious. I trust you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Can we stand for just a moment and worship him and sing this? I want you to be encouraged today.